On this episode of Scammer Stories, we're hearing from Beth, a woman who was able to answer so many questions circling my brain since my mother's death. Beth and her husband were actually able to get their loved one to sign papers for a financial conservatorship. Now, this is a topic that comes up over and over again when I speak to family members. How does it work? Does it work at all? Here's Beth's story. My father and mother-in-law lived in Missouri and were about to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary. And my father-in-law died from COVID complications in November of 2020. So my 68-year-old mother-in-law, who I'll call Anne, decided two weeks later to leave her longtime home in Missouri and move to Kansas to be closer to two of her three sons. And all of us in the family and a real estate agent both encouraged her to wait a little while until she moved away from the area where she had spent her entire life. But... She has um, tendencies of impulsivity, so she just was ready to get out of her hometown. So moved to Kansas four months later, so it's March of 2021, and lived with her youngest son and his wife for seven months, and then moved into her new condo um, in the senior living community in October of 2021. She opened a bank account in our hometown And my husband, her oldest son, had his name listed on the bank account with her. She has a long history of difficulty managing money and then has an addiction to shopping, but had a long talk with all three of her boys and said that she would not make any big decisions without um, conferring with all of them. So, yeah. Uh So my husband was keeping an eye on her bank account and everything was going well. Now... (laughs) She has an account on Facebook, and exactly one year ago, my husband and I both noticed a comment she made. It was one of those Facebook posts that seem innocent and asked some dumb question like, who remembers using this KitchenAid mixer in 1960, something like that. So she responds, yes. And this shows up on our feed. Um, We both actually saw it about the same time. And below her comment, a stranger had responded with, you are so beautiful, I want to talk to you and be friends with you. Please message me. And her response was, I don't know you and I don't message people I don't know, but I'll talk to you by text. I'm sorry, but I just have to laugh a little bit here. My mom said some silly things like this to me. Made me want to pull my hair out. I get it. I'm just shaking my head. Yeah. So here's my number. So my husband's response is, oh my gosh, what is my mother doing? And I said, who knows? And then we didn't really think anything more about that. A month later, she's visiting her son that lives out of state. He discovered that she had a subscription to an online dating site. She lied to him, denied belonging to the site. Um, But my husband created a false profile to look at hers. She's definitely on there. Everything looked fine. And all three boys told her she wanted to start dating again, you know, fine with them, just be safe. Okay. In March of last year, March of 2021, my husband noticed three large withdrawals from her bank account that totaled $17,000. She only lives a couple miles from us, so we went over to talk to her about the missing money. And she told him that she loaned it to her neighbor and that the neighbor was going to pay her back when she received her tax refund. A week later, my husband was just checking her bank account 
through the mobile app and he wasn't able to access it any longer. So he went to visit her again and asked her what was going on. Why is he no longer on the account? She's very dismissive and avoidant um, and said that she was a big girl and could take care of her own finances. Uh So that's why she took my husband off of her account. So he said, well, unless you put me back on, I'm going to have to tell his two brothers what's going on. She buried her head in a book, which is comical because she doesn't even read books. Shrugged her shoulders and said, whatever. So my husband had a long phone call with his brothers, and they both called her to try to find out what's going on. A month later, one of the other sons called, asked if the neighbor had paid back the borrowed money, and she said yes. But the problem was there's no way to check if this is true or not. And I made a comment during all this that said she's probably sending that over to some scammers in Africa. (sighs) Yeah. So now we're into about three and a half months ago, so the end of September of 2021. I took her with me to our local high school football game. My husband was volunteering down on the sidelines, so he wasn't sitting with us. And as soon as we sat down, she shoved her phone in my face and said, look. And on the phone screen was a picture of a military man in uniform. And I responded and said, is that someone you're dating? And she proudly said, that is my boyfriend, and he is a four-star general. And my head's still not processing that fast. And we live near an Air Force base. So my first thought's, why is this Army general stationed at the Air Force base? So I asked her, is he stationed at the base? And she said, no, his name is Curtis Michael Scaparotti. And he is a four-star Army general. And he was retired, but he had to come out of retirement to go on a secret mission to Syria. Mm-hmm. This is like the time my mom told me her boyfriend had a diamond mine in Turkey, but He ran into emeralds so he wouldn't be able to make it home. And he's been stuck in the airport in Syria since May and can't get a flight back to the United States. He is so kind and giving, he lets all his troops get on the planes before him. And so at that point, my heart sank and my stomach felt sick. Kept talking and said, did you know in Syria, the airports are closed on the weekends? Oh my gosh. So the rest of the evening was spent with her showing me pictures of him and telling me how much they were in love. She said that he has a mansion in Ohio with servants. He wants to buy her a new vehicle and take her on a vacation to Paris, but she needs to know that he travels with bodyguards. And she goes, and you know, he's so kind and caring. He likes to help orphans in the hospitals. So Those words, you know, servants, orphans, bodyguards, you know, not words that we use here in the United States. So then I noticed she's taking pictures of my husband on the sidelines of the football field. And she said, I'm sending him to Curtis right now. I said, maybe you shouldn't do that until you talk to, you know, her son. And she said, it's okay. We're practically married. He calls my boys, his boys, and my grandchildren, his grandchildren. So then I felt even worse. She told me he's divorced and his ex-wife is a drug addict and he has a 17-year-old son that he's trying to get over to Syria with him or something. So Beth is kind of busy at the football game. It's her high school reunion. Strangely enough, I was at a high school football game in my hometown when my mom came clean about what was happening to her. So Beth makes a smart decision. So I started texting myself all the different things she was telling me about SCAP, Scaparotti. She goes, everybody calls him SCAP. Um, So I was texting myself this stuff so I wouldn't forget and I could tell my husband. And then she was watching me and I texted all the selfies he had sent her. 
Selfies that I later found as stock photos, of course, online. They were not even close to being selfies. But I said, oh, he's so good looking. Let me get copies of this. I was just playing all into it. It's important because so many crazy things happen when you're on this roller coaster ride with a loved one that it's hard to remember it all later. Sometimes, before I have a big interview as a victim's daughter, I'll call my brother and my aunt so I have all the details and timeline right, and we don't agree on any of it. We all have different recollections. And she said, you know, I really vetted him hard. I was a tough one. I wanted to make sure he wasn't a scammer. So I said, you send me a selfie right now. And he did. And she shows me the picture. It is his stock picture of him in uniform. I was like, okay. So at one point I asked her if she'd send him any money. And she said, oh, I would never do that. So the whole night, the two and a half, three hours, she's talking to me. She was also messaging nonstop on her phone. And I had the ability to read things quickly and, and scan quickly. So I glance over at her phone, see a screen of messages and the poorly worded English and the line that said, well, what about your bank card? Yeah, confirm my fears. She's in a romance scam. So she tells me that I'm the only one she shared this relationship with and to please not tell my husband. So later that night, I obviously told my husband what had transpired with his mom. I did an online search of... General Scaparotti. And the very first thing that pops up on my phone was an article on how his identity has been used in online romance scams for the past 12 years. So there is a definite, real General Scaparotti who is married, lives in Ohio, is retired, and has grandchildren. Not this guy stuck in Syria. Okay, so I was wondering why he picked Ohio. So that's why, to try and make it as real as possible. They did. Everything she told me was on his Wikipedia yeah. I mean, it's right on there. It goes by scap. And so she thinks she's got all this like, I call him scap. Isn't that special? And all this. Um, so every couple of weeks, Anne visits her sister, my husband's aunt, who lives about an hour and a half away. My husband called his aunt the next morning to see if she knew anything about his mom's online romance. And she was so relieved that she had shared this romance with me because the sister and sister had known about this since January, but had also been promised to secrecy. So at that point, we learned that Anne's been communicating with at least four different military boyfriends over the past nine months. Um, she'd stay up all night texting them, which is why she kept falling asleep during the day. Her sister was concerned she's going to fall asleep when driving. Anne's sister had warned her over the past nine months that these guys were scammers and she constantly asked her if she had sent them any money. And Anne was always adamant that she had not sent any funds. So at this point, we don't know if she's sent money or not. And my husband has not talked to her about it yet. We're trying to figure out what to do without breaking the trust she has in telling me about her boyfriend. But that decision was answered for us three days later when he got a phone call from our local bank. And they said they were trying to get a hold of Anne as she wasn't answering her phone and they had some concerns. My husband said, well, what did she do? Did she send all her money overseas? And they just replied, they said, well, we have some concerns. <laughs> and this turned into a whole bunch of phone calls between my husband, his brothers, and Anne. She constantly lied about what was going on. Then she finally said that she had been hacked and had lost money. She did agree about two days later and went to the bank and signed a form that allowed the bank to talk to all three of her boys and share information what was going on. So at this point, we learned 
that she had been withdrawing large sums of money since February or March, about the time my husband noticed money was missing. Every time she came into the bank, the bank officers and tellers warned her that she was being scammed. They had meetings with her to try to get her to stop, and she basically just laughed at them. We found out later that every time she walked into the bank, she was texting these scammer guys, asking them what to say. And, you know, tell them you're my fiance or this and that. So, yeah, the bank's doing anything they can to get her to stop taking out all of her funds. And it was indeed all of her funds. Her entire life savings of $200,000 plus $52,000 plus in credit card debt. So what had happened is the bank officers met and decided to break protocol to call my husband asking how to get a hold of her. Because at that point, she was overdrawn $3,000 in her bank account. So all three of these boys are her DPOAs for her medical, legal, and financial decisions. I think what makes my husband and I the most sick is that we learned that if he had put that DPOA paperwork to the bank back in March when he first noticed a problem and she took him off the bank account, um, they could have shared everything with him on what was going on. Okay, so back up and explain that to me again. Yeah, he has the paperwork that lists all three sons as DPOAs for medical, legal, and financial decisions. And the bank president told him, my husband, if you had brought that paperwork in, say early on, you know, or whenever, but brought it in early on when my husband got pulled off the account and he couldn't see what was going on any longer, that they could have shared information with him. What does DPOA stand for? So that's that durable power of attorney. Okay. Yeah. So since she wasn't acting financially sound and responsible, they have the power to intercede on financial issues. It's also, you know, durable power of attorney, like if it's a medical issue, you know, do you keep them on life support or not? Things like that. But the financial thing, the bank said, yeah, if we'd had this paperwork, which they now have, we could have shared with you what she was doing. And to get a DPOA, you just have to go to the bank, get the paperwork and have everyone sign um, it? it? It's a legal document. So usually a lawyer draws it up or there's some simple forms. It's something that probably every middle-aged child should have on their parents. <laughs> Theirs was very clear that it covered medical, legal, and financial. So two weeks later, which was October 13th, my wedding anniversary, my husband's one brother, that lives out of state, traveled to our home so that all three boys could meet with Anne. And she knew that he was coming and that all three boys were meeting with her that evening. So the day before, she left town and went back to Missouri. Doesn't tell anybody. and informs my husband at one o'clock in the afternoon, knowing that they were supposed to get together about five hours later that evening. So she ran off to hide. What we found out later is she also went up there to head to the Kansas City airport because one of her boyfriends was supposed to be flying in. So I think she thought if he showed up, then she could bring him down here and say, see, I showed you. So her sons are furious. They tell her to turn around, come home. She finally does, shows up trying to pretend nothing's going on. It was a horrible confrontation. It was just three boys and her. My husband said he's never been that mad in his entire life. When, um, my husband and his brother came back to our house a few hours later. Uh, they were carrying everything um, related to her finances. She turned everything over to them. And that included a huge box full of gift cards and all of the receipts wrapped around each gift card. Each receipt had a name on it of whomever it was going to, you know, 
Scaparotti or Drezzler or whatever it is, and what it was used for, plane ticket, uh, GPS system for the military, hospital bill, uh, money to send home. So the boys added it up, and she had spent, of her money, $151,000 in $500 gift cards since February. She would buy three to four $500 gift cards to either Sephora, Apple, or Visa, and she would go to two to four stores almost every day. I know this is what my mom was doing. She was dying of ovarian cancer, could barely leave her chair, but she found a way to go to the store and bank daily. One month alone, she spent $54,000 in gift cards. So she'd go home, take pictures of the cards and send them to her scammers, which then they quickly converted the cards into cryptocurrency because then there's no way of getting any of that back. But she wasn't one bit worried because they were going to pay her back. It didn't matter. She'd spend all her money. She'll be getting it back later. Then, this is great. They also brought home, my husband, a letter from the FBI, the most poorly written fake FBI letter that anyone could ever have. In the letter, they didn't even capitalize United States. They're not complete sentences. In it, they demanded $20,000 or otherwise. The FBI will have a chief justice that will ensure military personnel is brought to your doorstep and take you to jail. And she had 24 hours to pay this and all that. So she did. After all this has gone down, the bank wanted to terminate her as a client, but agreed to let my husband open account, an account with his and her names with many safeguards in place, including not allowing her to take any withdrawals. Pretty much if she walks into the bank, they're allowed to let her do anything with the account. She's also been placed on some type of list that alerts all the banks in our state um, that she's a high-risk customer and allow her to open an account at a different bank. The bank said and we're in a small town of 25,000, that they have got two to three new people a week coming in and doing this. And they have a whole scamming scammer division, kind of fraud division within this bank alone. So this is really scary how many people are getting sucked into this. Well, at least the banks are doing something about it. Yeah, because I think, yeah, they're seeing all their customers' they're money. They're losing their money, disappear. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then they're being overdrawn and stuff. We found out that she had two additional bank accounts in Missouri, and she had cashed out on one of her retirement accounts, and she had a $5,000 check. The night that they confronted her, they said, okay, give us the check. We told you to hold on to it. And she started lying. Well, she lied the whole night. I think that was the most frustrating part. Lie, lie, lie. They finally got out of her that when she had taken off to Missouri the day before, she deposited it in the bank and took two of the $5,000. So she should have had 3000 left, took 2000 and sent it off in gift cards. When my husband finally opened up an account in her name, first thing to do was pay off the overdrawn balance. And so he had her write a check from this other account. He gets a call about four days later from the bank president. That check bounced. She had lied as well. She had not put any money in the bank. She had taken all $5,000 and sent it away. So at this point, all she has now is the house she lives in, which is paid off, and her vehicle. 
We alerted her real estate agent, um, who's a family friend, told her what's happening, told her to contact us if Ann called her and wanted to sell her condo. Around this time, the bank said that the only way they would keep her as a customer and um, my husband was looking into a, a line of credit on her home to help pay off the credit card bills. The 50000 credit card bills at 25% interest versus a you know home equity loan at 5%. Well, to do that, they wanted him to be her financial conservator. That was brought up with her, of course. She got very, very angry. And sending her sister horrible texts about how dare you let the boys know this was going on. They're trying to steal my soul. My life is ruined. I'm just going to go live in my truck. Well, during this fit she had, she called the real estate agent, (laughs) wanted to sell her house. At this point, my husband's not the financial conservator, so he can't stop her. Um, The real estate agent was able to kind of put that on hold. So at this point, she still has her home. She finally agreed to sign the financial conservator paperwork. It went through the court and he is now officially in charge of all of her finances. Okay, so how long did that take? That took about three weeks by the time he started pursuing it. Now he had to get a lawyer and actually part of the problem was finding a lawyer willing to do it. But once you get the right name, the guy said, oh yeah, I do these all the time. So Really? Um, okay. So when you said it was a, you had a hard time finding a lawyer because they don't know about it or they don't. Well, yeah, they did. They said, we just don't do that in ours. He was contacting some lawyers that promoted themselves like their specialties in elder law. As soon as he brought that up, they shied away. Um, I think it just took us time to find. Once we had the guy, he's like, oh, yeah, no problem. I do this all the time. I will say to have that all done and the paperwork drawn on and going to the court and have it processed and this and that cost about $1,800. So by having that, now he can get the loan, which we're still working on, but to help pay off the credit card debt. Over the summer, she got one of those letters that said, we can help you consolidate your credit card debt. Please send us $2,000. She did that. Now, that place is actually a legit place. However, she thought sending $2,000 took care of all of her debt. And so she wasn't worried about anything. My husband actually called that company. They sent back the money. He said, we're going to take care of it on our end. So, yeah. The good news is she got the money back. Bad news is... It reinforced the bad behavior. She got that back, but she had no, she has no worries about this mm-hmm. fifty-two thousand plus credit card debt. Yeah. What if she wouldn't have signed that conservative paperwork? Then what would the next step be? Is there okay. a next step? Can you force them? So hers is called voluntary conservatorship. The lawyer worked at the paperwork. She and my husband went to a notary and got everything signed to make it official, legal, all that. If she had refused, then my husband and his brothers were going to have to decide if they were going to pursue a pretty major court battle with her, which would be expensive, lengthy, and probably very ugly. And so at that point, my husband's like, if she won't sign this, I'm going to have to decide if I just say you're on your own or I'm going to fight you for this. So. She signed it. Um, I don't think she actually minds that he's in charge because she doesn't have to worry about anything right now. But it's sucking all his time up. But And just the, the emotional. I mean, this is something, it's sucking all his time up, but this is something that is going to be in his mind for the rest of his life. This is going to be a thing. It doesn't go exactly. away. I mean, my mom died and it's no. still a thing for me. Well, and, yeah. And ours, there's no happy ending to ours yet. So, yeah. And, you know, she... She's never been good with money, but she made a comment to him. She goes, well, when I get this credit card paid off in a year, 
can I be back on my own again and take control again? And he said, first of all, it's going to be a lot longer than a year. And no, as far as I'm concerned, this is for life. You haven't proven anything. Would you recommend other people do this? and The financial conservatorship? Mm -hmm. I would because, although I'll explain what she's still doing now, he has control of, I mean, her income, which is uh, Social Security. I don't know if there's a little pension for my father-in-law from somewhere and uh, some money from the VA because he was a veteran. But at least my husband can control that amount, pay her bills. What she was doing during all this, and this was her reasoning, is she had those three accounts and the money that she needed to cover her bills was going in one account. She paid her bills out of that and the rest of her money everywhere and her savings and everything was just fun play money. And she was, I was helping others. I was helping people. But yeah, I mean, I think if she had control of her money now, she would be spending her monthly income and sending it and her bills wouldn't be paid. So I recently asked a couple of questions on the Scammer Stories Facebook page and got some interesting answers. What are the stages you go through as a victim and a victim's family member? Here's some of the words people use. Shock, fear, worry, sadness, hurt, acceptance, anger, shame, betrayal, disbelief, depression, and realization. So sounds pretty spot on to me. If you have a story you'd like to share, email me, scammerwarriors, at scammerstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Also, I'm doing this podcast on my own dime and my own dollar, which is fine, but if you'd like to make a one-time donation, I'll put a link in the show notes to my PayPal account. Until next time, Scammer Warriors. (music) 